Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season this Wednesday, February the 2nd, which I guess is Groundhog's Day. Actually, I kind of wish I had other people in the studio. I could ask them, what did the groundhog see today? Actually, it doesn't really matter. Um, but on this day, we have the light of Jesus shining on us from Matthew chapter 13. We just got past probably my favorite parables of the whole Bible, the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl of great value, and the parable of the net. And now we get to the part where we kind of jump to when Jesus is in his hometown and no one wants to listen to him. One of my members at my first church said, um, everyone's an expert 50 miles from their hometown, not in their hometown, but in the next town nearby, which is a good reminder for us as we hear God's word today that Jesus is Jesus, and, and for us to listen to him, no matter the circumstance as we move forward. And also, there's a few words in here that Jesus says that actually I've never really studied before. So I'm excited to be able to dig in as we know the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for their support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word, we welcome our regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, happy epiphany and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Oh, it's it's a it's a joy, and and today also is a very special day in that it is the celebration of our Lord's presentation in the temple, uh, commonly known as Candlemas. <laughs> I guess yeah, the, the hidden the hidden joy. Uh, although uh, the uh, the um, groundhog did see his shadow, so there will be six more weeks of winter. Unfortunately, <laughs> sounds, it sounds like a proclamation. So, Pastor, tell us more about the feast of today. Explain what that is. Well, uh, as as we know in in Luke's gospel, uh, that uh, that after Jesus was circumcised, uh, when when it was the time for the purification of the uh, woman who had given birth, well, of course, this is uh, Saint Mary, uh, that uh, Joseph and Mary took Jesus into the temple and presented him to the Lord. And so not only was there, you know, the, the, the sacrifices for the purification of the uh, woman who had just given birth, but also it was that to present him to the Lord. And there were two aged saints that there were there in the temple, and one was um, uh, was Simeon, uh, who had been given a special promise by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. You know, what a wonderful promise that was. And so he took the Lord into his arms and said, now you are dismissing me according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have uh, presented in the face of all peoples. And and then there was also the aged prophetess, Anna, who also spoke uh, of Jesus to, to the people there and comforted them. And and so it's a very special day and, and most fitting for it to be in the Epiphany season. That really is. And I would encourage our listeners to look it up. February 2nd feast. How would you? Well, how am I'm sorry? I'm really out of the loop on this one because I've been so focused on Groundhog Day, which isn't good of me. So, Pastor, tell us again what the name of today, the feast of today is. Traditionally, in, in uh, like in English culture, it was called Candlemas. 
and, and which kind of I think points out to the purification uh, of the and in this case the Virgin Mary and and uh, so it's it's the presentation of the Lord and the and the purification of the Virgin Mary and usually it's a it's a um, uh, you know the gospel for the Sunday after Christmas as it as I right. think that's kind mm-hmm. of like a, a common feature there and um, but it, it it also it it's very important for it has a definite epiphany aspect in which it is the presentation it is the revealing of Jesus as the savior very good so uh, so reminder to listeners look this up presentation of Jesus a purification of Mary that's the feast today we traditionally have it right after Christmas and a good reminder that we are in that epiphany season which reveals to us more of how this king Jesus um, is also the Son of God and also our Savior so we see it piece by piece throughout epiphany and pastor anything else for you I know um, usually people are talking to me about weather and how bad it is, but according to what I'm hearing, St. Louis is kind of acting like uh, Minnesota right now. What's going on? Oh, you bet. Uh, you know, we're, they say this is going to be a real uh, uh, terrible storm. That's uh, one of the, you know, it's even named. I think they even named it or something. I, I don't I don't remember what name it was, but uh, it could leave at least a foot of snow. And uh, so so schools are closed and and uh, we're just we're just kind of, uh, you know, shuddering in, in anticipation of what uh, what winter will deal to us. Would it be inappropriate for us to name this storm the Boys Claire? Would that be too much? The the Boys oh, Claire. Oh, that's. <laughs> I, I guess it's it, it, usually usually I reluctantly face these uh, ravages of winter, but uh, I, I guess uh, I, I certainly will accept uh, accept that. It it, uh, it it's uh, like I say it it's um, it shows us that that uh, winter is still here. <laughs> winter is still here. So you've heard it here, folks. The boys' Claire is coming in St. Louis. So be aware. Be be afraid. To be very afraid. No. Anyways, we're here to study the Word of God, Pastor. So let's begin in prayer as we look to Matthew 13. Can you begin us in prayer? Yes. Let us pray, Lord Jesus Christ, on this festival of your presentation. We praise you for your precious word and sacraments that are the treasure of your of your kingdom. Grant that while being curious and relentless in seeking you, we may see you see how important it is to understand and make use of your divine distinction between your law and gospel, that we may be wise unto salvation in your name. Be with us this day as we open your word to delight in your precious wonders and love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text this morning, um, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. And Pastor, I'm going to start this way. I'll read all 13 verses of our time, or uh, maybe not 13. What is it? Uh, Not 13. I'm way off. It's eight verses. Verses 51 through 58. Reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading the English Standard Version, and then we'll get your first thoughts to this, Pastor. So beginning verse 51 of Matthew chapter 13. Jesus says, Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, Yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. 
And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not of his, not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. This is the, the text we have for today. Pastor, there, I mean, part of this is very well known and part of this is not. So what's the context before we get to these verses this morning and any introductory thoughts you have? Well, and uh, Matthew is uh, concluding his uh, presentation of, of Jesus's parables uh, in chapter 13, beginning, of course, with probably the most uh, famous one, which is the parable of the sower, uh, other than I think the the um, um, the other two from Luke, of course, is the uh, prodigal son and the and the man who fell among thieves. Uh, the Good Samaritan. Uh, but in, in this particular case, it's kind of like in his, the Holy Spirit guided him to uh, kind of uh, maybe have like a, a section of uh, the teaching of Jesus, uh, followed by a, a section of his activities, and like, and this is this is one where he's he's uh, is his speaking and his teaching, and uh, in, in in a way too, it's to be remembered. It's kind of interesting that there are like five blocks of these uh, of these sections of his teaching, which kind of correspond to the five books of Moses. And so, as as a lot of times uh, uh, professors have told us. Uh, that Jesus is shown to be like a Moses, but again, you got to be very careful about that. And I think this one parable, which is the one that begins here, is the uh, only one. It, it is only found in Matthew's gospel. It is Matthew's special parable uh, that talks. I think uh, points to the distinction between law and gospel, which is kind of related to that. And then, uh, then you see um, how he does in his hometown. So, Pastor, as we look at this, uh, verse 51 and 52, this is actually another another parable. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. It's a but it's 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 a very simple parable. There's a number, uh, you know, like uh, it's it's like a simile. You know, in other words, this is like this. Uh, so, um you know, every tr a scribe who has been trained for the kingdom is like this, like a householder that brings out, you know, there's new treasure and old treasure in his, uh, you know, his storehouse. Uh, and and it's a uh, but but there's a number of parables like that. Jesus, you know, in in, in um John's gospel, uh, as as any of us would say, there are no parables, but Jesus also makes comparisons, you know, in, in metaphor, you know, instead of a simile, a simile has the words, uh, this is like this, and has all of those words in there. But in, in a metaphor, it's where I am the good shepherd, you know, I mean, and or, you know, and again, it, it's that that's kind of like a parabolical teaching, but it also tells us a great truth. He is the true shepherd. He is the vine. He is uh, the door and so on. And that's, and that's helpful for us to look at this. First of all, that um, the parables right before this is, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like, 
And it, it just has th- boom, 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 three of those in a row, which there are very common parables for us to look at and reminding us that this is how God operates. This is how his kingdom is different than ours. And um, how this king is going to be different than the kings that we see. And that's going to become really obvious in in, uh, Matthew chapter 14 of of a a King Herod versus the King Jesus. And today, like I said, there's there's kind of two unique uh, um, aspects to our reading that I'm going to go through very slowly, partly because we only have eight verses, but partly because... It is something that we kind of run through without really digging in very, um, very deeply. And we quick get to the other parts that we think are even more. And I know I do this, Pastor, because I love the parable of the hidden treasure. I had such a joy studying that yesterday. The parable of the, pure, the pearl of great value and the parable of the net. Um, and so to have today to really focus in on these, te- on these words are, are very, very, um, very fruitful for me. So I'm excited. Any other thoughts you have before we begin? I think uh, this section of scripture is is a, a section that's very is very precious for those in the office of the holy ministry. Uh, you know, obviously, it, it's like uh, it shows uh, Jesus the reaction to Jesus in his own hometown. You know, what when we go to our hometown? I, I think I remembered when I preached my first sermon that uh, everybody was happy and proud and and so on, and and it was a kind of a joyful time, but. You know, again, um, you know, familiarity breeds contempt uh, is kind of like the saying that goes along with it. And and in this, this <laughs> parable is also a parable about someone in ministry. Well, let's uh, oh, first of all, where is this hometown? Where did the Pastor Boyce Claire grow up? I grew up in uh, the uh, city of uh, Milwaukee, and uh, my That's my right. uh, church was um, uh, Grace Lutheran Church on Kinnikinnick Parkway. It's now on Oklahoma Avenue, um, and uh, near St. Luke's Hospital, and and uh, that's that's pretty much uh, that was my home parish. And uh, but but uh, when I pre, uh, they, I I didn't think it was uh, a great sermon that I gave. I think I remembered staying up all night writing it, <laughs> and but uh, uh, you know I do remember that uh, that that everyone was very uh, proud of me when I when I. I gave my first sermon. I think it was I gave my first sermon on Jesus's uh, circumcision because it was on New Year's Day of that year. Ah, so so now everyone who you are listeners, if you're ever in Milwaukee, you can go down Oklahoma Avenue right by St. Luke's Hospital, drive right by and say that is the place or not the same church, but the same place, the same the, the church, Grace Lutheran Church, that the storm on February 2nd was named after. Now now they can say this. See, it's all good. Anyways, let's uh, let's dig into the word here, Pastor. We'll begin in verse 51, and I just want to stick with that verse because I think it's it's uh, um, very telling. Verse 51, Jesus says, Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, Yes. Now, Pastor, I want to stop there just because right there, if Jesus were to ask me, have you understood all things? If there's anything I've learned through the book of Matthew is you say, I don't know. Tell me more. As I think my response would be looking hindsight, but they say, yes. What are your thoughts on their answer? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, he brought his point across, uh, like where there are the two explanations of the two big parables in there, the, mm-hmm. the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds in the field. Um, so, so, um, um, you know, or, or then again, you know, a lot of times uh, we know 
I think there's some evidences of this where they kind of maybe give him the the right answer because they're afraid he's going to jump on him or something like right, that. Right, it, right. It's interesting, this particular question uh, is used by uh, John Bunyan in his Pilgrim's Progress, uh, where he tries mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. mention the importance of if you know something as a believer, then you should put it into practice, because he couples it with uh, John 13, verse 17, where Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. But I think that application is, is probably inappropriate here. So because Jesus kind of uh, shows what it means to understand it with the parable that, that comes after. Yeah, and, and that's you're exactly right. I'm thinking of confirmation class. You ask the kids, do you have any questions? And they're all like, I'm not going to be that person. You're going to be that person. I'm not going to be that person. Or you're in class, even in normal school. And any any other questions? And if nobody else raises their hand, I don't want to be that guy. I probably did that at a seminary as well. So it's kind of interesting. They, You know, who knows exactly what's going on in their heart. But then he gives this parable to, uh, you know, do they know it? Do they not? It's it's always a, a question of, of everything that comes across. So, um so I'll just go to verse 52. Are, we, are you ready? To, anything else in 51? Yeah, I think we can go into that because then Jesus gives the response, not, not okay, then carry, carry on, uh, guys. Right. No, he, he's right. saying, well, this is what, okay, now you've understood. And, and because they understood, because he told them, he, he shared, uh, and, and maybe he explained the other parables too. Uh, and, and so, it, yes, Lord, when you explain them to us or when your spirit uh, shows us the meaning because there is one we, we believe there's one point of comparison in the parable it doesn't mean multiple things but it, it has a, a very specific teaching to give right and, and that's and that's something here too that if if they said yes and he's like okay shower up let's go home um he didn't do that he continues the parable so let's hear that parable now verse 52 and jesus said to them therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. So, Pastor, I'm going to ask this first. It says a scribe. What's a scribe? We don't I don't, I don't know any scribes in today's world. How would you how would you teach? What is a scribe? You you uh, well, it, it's translated in, in um, the um, uh, Beck Bible as a Bible scholar. Uh, and, and so this is like, a, we would say, you know, a theologian or somebody who is a expert on the Bible, someone who knows the Bible, someone who's able to uh, read the Bible, probably in the original languages and, and be able to, um, you know, declare what God's word is. And so and, and in this particular case, of course, it's it's those people that are in uh, the the church or, or rather the synagogue, the temple. In other words, the religious establishment of Jesus's time. And we know even from the book of Acts that after uh, the you know, after Pentecost, there were many priests that became obedient to the faith. In other words, that they became believers. And so Jesus is saying about, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, you could say that that is 
a partic- a believer who is a expert on the Bible, maybe Jesus, you could put it that way. But mm. in this case, you know, I would kind of like say that it's a, uh, a a Old Testament scribe or a person who is is uh, you know in line with the rabbis and the and the Pharisees and Sadducees and 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 and, and it's somebody like that who is an expert that is discipled. You know, it's interesting that the word trained here, I, I think that uh, may be a little misunder, mistranslation. I like uh, Dr. Gibbs's translation where it is every scribe who has become a disciple mm-hmm. of, of the kingdom of heaven. So it's uh, the word there is the same word that is used, go and make disciples of all nations in, in Matthew 28. Uh, so so um, here it is a scribe who has become a disciple of Jesus. And describe that for us, because you hear the word discipleship, you hear the disciples, and then you hear apostles as well. But then you have, you know, not just 12, you have 70 and you have other disciples. So if we read that, like you said, therefore, every scribe or a biblical scholar who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, so who has been a uh, become a disciple is by good. Can you break that down? What's a disciple? Well, uh, and it, this is this is a a um, a truth which is not taught in the Old Testament, or you know, like what is you know, people can you can ask a really good question. What is a teaching in the New Testament that is not found in the Old Testament? And the answer is discipleship. And discipleship, of course, is it has the idea of someone who is um, a student, or you know, is being educated or formed. Uh, by uh, a master, a teacher. In the case, this is, of course, Jesus. Jesus says, uh, don't call any of you teachers because you have one teacher who is the Christ. And so when we are disciples of the Christ, that means that we are we sit at Jesus's feet and hear his word. And so that that's the idea of disciples. This is, of course, the Great Commission. Uh, you know, this is really central to to uh, what we do as as the church, as the Holy Christian and Apostolic Church is to make disciples of all nations, uh, to make followers, to make believers, and so and so discipleship is to be um, to become a believer in Jesus Christ. I like how you put that because it says to sit at Jesus's feet, where sometimes we can get so riled up about what are we doing, what are we doing. That the it's it's like being a sheep. You're listening to the voice of the shepherd. What is the church? Luther talks about those who know the voice of the shepherd, hear his voice. And so that's a good reminder for us, too, that um, just to break this down, because I, I, like I said, I've never really studied this portion before. Therefore, every biblical scholar, this is kind of how we're breaking it down today, who has been trained or who has become a disciple, meaning follower Jesus, sitting at the Lord's feet, learning, being formed by Jesus for the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven, Pastor? The kingdom of heaven is God's uh, reign in our hearts. Uh, and through through His Holy Spirit, uh, it comes uh, the kingdom of heaven comes indeed without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. Uh, it is it, it, in other words, it is as Jesus said uh, that the kingdom of God is within you. 
And now, and, and it doesn't mean it. You know, a lot of times, folks uh, don't don't like subjectivism to say, "Well, it's always in." You know, we don't. We want to go away from within us uh, subjectivism. In other words, what's true for us into what is objectively out there, which is the word. And that's true. That is a very important point. But God's reign is in our souls or in our hearts. And so, the kingdom of heaven is is where the Holy Spirit uh, creates faith. And, and and that trusts in Jesus, and that is his kingdom. That is, and, and against the kingdom is not a like a territory or a you know, and like usually the word kingdom is considered to be like a country or a territory. It is it is an it is God's action within us by the power of His Holy Spirit. It is His reign, His 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 ruling us, His His guiding us, His shepherding us. So it is it is God's activity within uh, within our hearts and souls. As it says in the second petition of the small catechism, and I always remind our listeners, we really try, and I, and I have to highlight this more, we really try to use the confessions as much as we can when we study. And one of the most important ones is the small catechism. And he, you, you brought this up here, Pastor. Second petition of the small catechism on the Lord's Prayer says, how does God's kingdom come? It says this, God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, like you said, so that by grace we believe His Holy Word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. And that just that reminder, as you're saying, when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, it's speaking about faith. It's speaking about our faith, believing in His Holy Word by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we live godly lives. And it's so easy for us, like you said, the kingdom of heaven is we try to make it like, I'm going to make a new kingdom here on earth, or I'm going to make a new kingdom um, here that looks like a powerful kingdom in the world. But here he's saying, no, this is about, about faith in the Lord Jesus, that we may lead godly lives in faith in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So anything else in the kingdom of heaven, Pastor? Oh, I think I think that you really summed it up, it, 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 and it's so important. You know, it's kind of because you know language, you know, is bankrupt sometimes, and really giving us the real meaning of of things like the word kingdom or disciple or scribe or whatever. You know, there, there's a richness of meaning that the Holy Spirit gives us as we study His Word. All right. So what what I want to do, we have about about a minute left in our time, is we've gone through this. Therefore, every biblical scholar who has been trained, uh, who has become a disciple, follower of Christ for the kingdom of heaven, which is faith in Jesus, is like a master of a house. So we're going to end on this. But a master of the house. I mean, we if anybody is usually a quip, you know, like, oh, he's the master of the house or something or master of ceremonies at some kind of gathering. Um and what is a master of the house? Any any thoughts on that? Well, it would be like a steward, the head steward, you might say. I mean, the house belongs to God, and 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 uh, the Lord, and and uh, that that is that's somebody who is, you know, the the pastor. A pastor is a steward of God's mysteries. So, mm-hmm. in a sense, this is an explanation of of what it means to be a a called minister of Christ. I want to learn more about that on the other side of our break, because first of all, I've never I don't remember studying this during seminary. So this is going to be fascinating to find more. But right now we are studying Matthew chapter 13 with Pastor David Boisclair, and we'll be right back.
On America's college campuses, doors are open to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The number of international students studying at American schools has more than quadrupled over the past decade. For many of these young men and women, it's their first time living in a free society where they can ask questions about Christianity. You can help answer their questions. Go to lhfmissions.org and partner with the Lutheran Heritage Foundation to translate good Lutheran books into languages these students can read and understand. lhfmissions.org studying Matthew chapter 13 with Pastor David Boyce-Claire. And I received an email today that says, you said this too, Pastor, but Puxtapani Phil, I always can't say that very well, saw his shadow. So six more weeks of winter. So not only did you know it, Pastor, but other listeners saw it as well or heard about it this morning, which I don't know, Pastor, I'm not real expert on this, but it seems to me that if it's sunny, then all of a sudden that happens. And if it's not... um, it's just around the corner. Is that is that really that simple? Is that how this works? Well, that's that's kind of an old uh, uh, <laughs> German. Uh, ger- it's kind of like a Pennsylvania Dutch uh, or German uh, Pennsylvania Germans. They, I guess, on on uh, uh, on Candlemas Day, which is February second, they go out in the woods and see if there was a was a. Um, woodchuck or a uh, groundhog and uh, and of course if it was sunny the the groundhog was seeing his shadow and 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 so it, it's kind of it, it's 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 a little bit silly uh, you know in other words if he doesn't see his shadow it means that spring is at hand you know in other words that it's going to come quicker uh, if he does if he if he does see his shadow it means you just have to wait till March 21st <laughs> or something <laughs> like that uh, it's but you see what they do is uh, they got two scrolls, and evidently the the groundhog goes to one of the two scrolls at at Gobbler's Knob in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. And and one scroll is the uh, he doesn't see his shadow, and the one the one is that he does see his shadow. And people say, well, all, there's all those uh, new the cameras, news cameras, and and TV cameras, and so on. He can't help but see his shadow. But uh, the thing is, is is that uh, usually he does see his shadow. Uh, maybe like about uh, uh, three times out three times out of five you know years he does see his shadow and and it, it's very rare that he doesn't and that's that's kind of how they work it got it well you know that's uh I don't even know what to say because it's still really cold here and there's a big storm in St. Louis. So it doesn't really matter what this groundhog thinks. So anyways, we are in verse 52. Um, And Pastor, we've gotten to the master of of a house. And I want to get through the rest of our time here. And I really want you to focus in on how this is a, um, a passage that relates to the office of the Holy Ministry and be able to dig into that a little more. But we got to the master of a house, a steward, which means a... um, a keeper of someone else's goods. That's kind of how I've always taught it. Or uh, um, um, somebody that is taking care of someone else's land or whatever it might be. So we, we're to that point. Then it says this. Who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old? Now, we have to make sure we have these terms right because we just got done talking about the hidden treasure and the treasure of the pearl of great value. So can we make a connection there with what he's saying with treasure here and in previous verses? Or how would you, brings out this treasure? Who, who or what is this treasure, Pastor? 
Well, uh, the, um, the what is new and what is old, obviously, uh, to be in the kingdom of God or Jesus or to be in in Jesus is is something that is eternally new because God is eternally new. Behold, I make all things new, uh, and and it is and and. My reading of it is that that's the gospel. Uh, the gospel is always something that is that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And that is such a treasure because that's life. And that's uh, to be new and, and to be uh, reborn in Christ. Uh, but, but still, we we always know that that things that are old are also things that are very valuable um you know like for instance uh i think that uh you know again we use our maybe uh, uh modern culture uh in the raiders of the lost ark they 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 found the ark of god that was hidden in in uh, uh Tanis in egypt or something and the one uh one archaeologist points to the ark and said this is treasure and so, you know, in other words, things that are old or things that are famous or, you know, and that, of course, is like the law, because we know about the law. The law is old. It it, uh, it condemns us. It is essential, but it's also precious because it is God's law. And and so, you know, it, 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 this kind of points to, uh, you know, what is new is the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. And and in the case of what is old would be like the prophecies themselves or the word that uh, points us to Jesus. So I, I did hear a reference point. The new and what is old is like the master of the house who brings out the cheese and the wine. I thought that was an interesting dynamic that you have kind of the new stuff and you have the old stuff and it all comes together. But are we, It is is it as simple as this that the, the steward of the house brings out this treasure, like you said, is the gospel from the Old and New Testament. Is that how we would how we would see this or what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh, he, uh, you know, he was maybe in this particular case, it's like a, a scribe or a uh, Bible scholar who who was, um, you know, a disciple of the rabbis. They weren't, you know, he had not known Christ or, you know, and and uh, and so in, but he gained an expertise. He gained a learning. Uh, he gained a lot of knowledge and wisdom from the Word of God from the past when he was before he met our Lord and before he became a believer. So he's able to draw on that ability that he had before he met the Lord. So, so I mean, in, in, in the same way, even among God's people, you know, there, there, there are many people that have many, uh, you know, gifts from God, or, or they've, they've, you know, been trained in, in many different professions, and they're brought into the kingdom of God. They're able to uh, make use of, of all of the gifts and all of the, all of the expertise that they have gained. So if we were to look at this, you mentioned how this relates to the office of the Holy Ministry. And, and like I said, this is something that I have never made this connection. I didn't, they didn't read this, or I haven't seen this read at a ordination of a pastor or at an installation. So how would you describe that to somebody that this relates to the office of the Holy Ministry? Can you, can you break that down for us? Well, it, uh, a person who is is called, you know, who d- as is the, you know, as as the apostle says, whoever desires uh, to be a bishop 
or to be a uh, an elder uh, desires a good work. They must be apt to teach. And so that's why you go through a, a, a very intensive study of God's word in the original languages. So so in a sense, the pastor becomes is a scribe, is like an Old Testament scribe. And, and, and obviously he, uh, you know, maybe everything that he studied in the Bible before he became a, a pastor or before he even became a Christian, perhaps if he, if, uh, you know, he was not reborn at birth through holy baptism um, is is something that he can draw on in order to um, be someone the master or the steward of of uh, God's house, which which is the church, and 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 in the law and the gospel is is uh, uh, if we don't understand the distinction between God's law and God's gospel, we won't be able to understand His word, and so in a sense, Jesus is saying that that He's able to distinguish the law and gospel here, and that's something where I'm having a little bit of a struggle to get over the cheese and wine understanding of this because, one, I'm kind of hungry. So are we saying the Old Testament is the wine and the New Testament would be the cheese? What do you think, Pastor? Well, as long as the cheese is new cheese, uh, you know. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, the thing is, is, is that the, the, the law and the gospel are, are, are both word the word of god which are in they're in um uh conjunction with each other they're they're sort of like uh, well the word is a paradox i remember and mm-hmm. uh, a man who was the father of a friend of mine uh when i was witnessing to him about christ he says i can't believe the bible because it it has nothing but paradoxes and that is mm-hmm. the real essence of the uh, polarity we call it the polarity between the law and the gospel it's like the the law is is uh, maybe a negative pole and the gospel is a positive pole, you know, in electricity. And, and both, both of them repel, you know, they're drawn to each other and they also repel each other, have to be. Uh, and and the, the law, of course, sets out a way of salvation, you know, well, um, live a good life and you will be rewarded. Um, you know, if you are a good person, uh, you know, you will receive a reward. There is a promise that's given there. If you're good, you will be saved. Uh, then, but guess what we aren't uh we we're no, uh, there is none righteous no not one uh, all uh, you know, in, in, behold, I've been uh, informed in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me, as Psalm 51 says. So guess what? We need a new uh, a new righteousness. And that, of course, mm-hmm. is in, in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to our listeners, just a reminder for you to continue to pray for those who are stewards of the mysteries, that they may faithfully preach both law and gospel, that as we understand the kingdom, which brings us back to that gospel, that we preach and teach faithfully according to his good grace. So, Pastor, let's continue on as Jesus goes back home. You know, you talk about it's just good to go back home, but Jesus doesn't necessarily have that reaction from the people he grew up with. So let's continue verses 53, and we'll just go through 56. And when Jesus had finished his parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this a carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So he goes home. He's teaching. 
And what are the people's reactions, Pastor? Well, um, you know, they are impressed, obviously, and they heard the stories, uh, you know, or the the accounts of what was going on in Capernaum, where Jesus, of course, kind of put his headquarters, you might say. Um, Luther said that he was like a pastor of a congregation there, which I think uh, maybe he was just, uh, you know, telling a little bit of a thing to kind of understand what Jesus was up to uh, in in teaching and, and of course, uh, healing people. So, so in a sense... Um, uh they they were um they were astounded which which is kind of gives you maybe the idea what did jesus do for the 18 silent years i mean uh, the, la- the the he's uh, from the time that he is born in bethlehem and and and, and his parents took him to nazareth uh, you know the last time we hear about it is when he was 12 years old and all of a sudden 18 years later he's 30 and and he's baptized and then he begins his 3 year ministry before his crucifixion and resurrection and, and and here, you know, he goes to the, the hometown and, uh, you know, and then the people are, you know, he, he's just one of us. You know, I mean, Joseph and Mary uh, are from here and, um, you know, uh, we knew them. Uh, in fact, Joseph uh, fixed our furniture in our house, uh, you know, maybe maybe even um, uh, fixed the, the, the ox goat or the, the, the yoke for the oxen uh, to, to, you know, plow our family there. You know, who does he this guy think he is? You know, but they were, were they were impressed, you know, uh, in, in, in a sense, it's kind of like. You know, how can something uh, this uh, familiar and this, uh, um, you know, known to us be be so so special or, or you know, and that, that was that's kind of in John's gospel. There's all the question, where is he from? You know, like, uh, you know, is he from heaven or is he from earth? You know, well, guess what? He's from both places um, in, in this particular case, though. It, it, it's kind of like a, a question of, um, you know, maybe jealousy or something, you know, or, but, but again, uh, the other thing that I wanted to say is it maybe gives us the idea that he spent the 18 years in Nazareth and all of a sudden, you know, he, he went and was baptized and began his ministry. So, so here, um, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, he's the carpenter's son, you know, his, his we know his mother and, and his, uh, you know, his relatives, uh, you know, I think a lot some scholars say that uh, the, the those that are called his brothers and sisters were probably the children of, of his uh, were his cousins and not not his uh, uh, brothers and sisters. And they, they kind of come up with that, like in the book of Acts, where Mary, uh, his mother, is distinguished from uh, the his brothers that are present in the upper room. Mm. So I want to get to that because we do have a question that came in, but it's, it's clear from this that Jesus goes back home and people are not ready and willing to hear him because they remember him as a kid. You know, they remember him doing what he did. And Joseph was nothing special. And Mary seemed just like a humble lady. And they're like, how come he's so smart? He wasn't so smart in school or whatever the situation might have been. And it come to this point where, you know, just the message is not being received, which I think we all can relate with. Right. We go back to our home and people will still see you as a. um, a young kid, or they'll remember the mistakes you made or whatever it might be. So there's a lot of practical applications to this. So um, 
I, I want to get to this question. This did come in. Is it sounds like Jesus had siblings, you know, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Why? And this is a question from one of our listeners. Is why is there such a controversy about whether or not that he had siblings? It seems pretty clear from our text. What would you say, Pastor? Well, one of the things that that is uh, the church, and, and this is, of course, like goes back to the beginning of the church, because the Virgin Mary was was always um, respected, and and um, uh, so the and the idea is, uh, you know, his birth, of course was in human terms questionable because, uh, you know, Joseph, uh, Mary's husband, was not the father of Jesus. Uh, and and it was, it was a, a miracle. Uh, his birth was a miracle. It was a virgin birth. Uh, she was a vir- she was a, um, she was an innocent virgin, uh, both before, during, and after his birth. And so there, there is a, you know, maybe a reluctance to um, make these um, uh, relatives that are mentioned here any any closer to her although you know there there is there there was a controversy about there there was a fellow by the name of Helvidius at the time of of St Jerome this was like in the 4th century and Helvidius says well there there are passages of scripture that point to the fact that perhaps Joseph and Mary had other children and and that's kind of the question you know i mean is uh, a merit is marital relations a sin in itself and i would say absolutely not uh but but the thing is 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 there's kind of like a, a a maybe a protectiveness for understanding the fact that jesus birth was a holy a pure and holy birth uh and and that there should be no question as to uh its purity and that's a that's a a great point for us to always consider um and there's a lot to be studied on this, a lot to be looked at with this. But the main point of what we're reading today comes to us in verses 57 and 58. As the people are struggling to understand what's happening, Jesus brings it back, 57 and 58. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is with, not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. What struck me before we get to Jesus's words is, and they took offense at him. Like they weren't annoyed. They weren't questioning. They took offense. Like if, if something's offensive to me, that that's a pretty big deal. Your thoughts? Absolutely. This is very serious. Uh, and Jesus said to uh, the disciples of John when they said, "You know, are you the are you the Messiah?" Or, and Jesus says, "Look at the things that you see and hear here, and blessed are those who are not offended." In me, mm-hmm. in the ca- in their case, they were offended at him, and so they that means that they did not believe in him. Uh, and, and, and in other words, that's that's something a stumbling block. Uh, you know, it's a stumbling block, or and, and the word here is scandal, scandalizane, which which means to put a stumbling block into one's. Uh, the fact that he was familiar to them. Uh, was something which caused them to bl- blinded their eyes to who he really is, and and so they they, they that is what it means that they, they, they you know a lot of times there are things that happen, you know we're only sinners, 
and even as pastors, sometimes we, we make mistakes. And, and, and sometimes that might scandalize people to the point where, well, you know, this, this is a man of God and he, he is like that or does that or something like that. And so they, they will even be offended to the point where they don't listen to the message that's being said here. And, and, and all, this whole chapter is basically about uh, people becoming believers in Christ, and, 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 and here is a situation where people that are, are members of his family, perhaps, um, and, and neighbors and, and those who had known him, uh, are, are not, are, they, they are unbelievers. And it's a tragedy. And that's something that is, like you say, the grieving that goes into this text. And when Jesus says these next words... It's definitely not a, well, you know, they're a bunch of yahoos and I I don't care about them whatsoever. But he's saying these words in grief because these are the people he knows. These are people he grew up with. Um, Jesus, we'll see this too in chapter 14. We see it in other parts of, of the Gospel of John where Jesus is invested with these people as a human. You know, he's God and man, and therefore he's invested into this. So he says all these things with an understanding and love and care for the people that he has. And he says, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household. Pastor, how would you, we, we can kind of poke fun at that a little bit, like, oh, he can't go home, ha, ha, ha. But this is serious stuff that he's bringing up, because this has to do with faith. What is Jesus saying? Well, yeah, it's it's like perhaps, you know, you want to try to urge people that you're witnessing to, you know, uh, yeah, I'm a sinner and I, I, I deserve to go to hell. And, and uh, yet um, the Lord wants you to uh, recognize who your Savior is. And in this particular case, it's kind of like circumstances, the, the fact that the people saw Jesus uh, grow up, maybe even he uh, was, was their neighborhood carpenter and, and so on. And that, uh, that, 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 blinded their eyes, you know, in, in, in within the, the pride of humanity, you know, with our, our sinfulness and, and our, uh, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And we have to be uh, resurrected uh, by the power of God's Holy Spirit from the death uh, of, of unbelief and sin. And, and in this particular case, uh, you know, as Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended in me. And that's by only by the grace of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told his disciples, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And, and so that, that's why, you know, we as stewards of his mysteries, we are to be faithful. We're not responsible for changing people's hearts. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But we are to be faithful in presenting him to them, despite all of, of anything that might cause people to uh, doubt or, or to be offended in that, uh, you know, specific understanding of what that means. And when he says these words, I'll, I'll tell this story. It was, it was really kind of funny because like a few weeks ago, we had the similar, you know, account in the book of Luke in our gospel reading. And recently we were at a, a district gathering and one of the pastors is now retired and he's serving the church he grew up at as a vacancy pastor. So he got done talking about that and the blessings. And then one pastor raised his hand and said, so when we had the passage about a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, 
How did you preach that at the church you grew up at? I mean, this gentleman is, you know, mid seventies. And so, so he's kind of, he's well beyond that time where they would remember him as a baby probably. But it was funny because then he goes, well, I preached the epistle that day. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty funny. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah. But we do, we do know this, that there is a reality that, People can't get over that, which is why I know you probably would never have been called back to grace. I would not be called back to St. John Lutheran Church in Wadena, Minnesota. It sounds kind of cool for a while, but it, it, it would not work for various reasons. Now, I think maybe some people are able to do it, and I'm not saying it's impossible. But there are a lot of factors there where people are asking questions of, oh, if only you knew what I remember Brady did when he was 16. And that can be a uh, offensive thing for people that we want to make sure that people are able to hear the word of God faithfully and to let the Holy Spirit do its work. Any thoughts on that before we get to our last verse? Well, that's why in in our tradition, we we, um, uh, cover our, our called ministers of Christ with vestments. Uh, so that that they will take their eyes off of 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 the man, and 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 look at the message, and 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 the holy sacraments that he has to offer, and the office that he holds, which is an office of tremendous comfort to to the people of God. In verse fifty eight. It says this, and this could be easily misinterpreted, and I want to make sure that we have the that we're on the right page, the right and and interpreting this faithfully to the word of God is, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. If we were to look at this wrongly, it could easily be interpreted as saying, Jesus was not able to do works. He was not able to do the healings or do the the teaching or whatever it might be because of their unbelief. Almost like unless they believe Jesus can't do it. How would you respond if someone were to interpret it that way? That doesn't that's not what it says. Uh, it <laughs> says that he did not do these works. And he, he but then, you know, Mark's gospel tells us that he did heal some people. You know, it, you know, it's kind of like uh, sort of an as an afterthought. And some people think Mark was uh, contradicting himself. And he says, oh, he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Um, the, the thing was, is that this was a decision that he made. You know, obviously, he didn't uh, he, he didn't make uh enough food uh, that he had at the feeding of the 5,000 or walk on water or something like that was really spectacular or something. Uh, but, but because because of the fact that, um, you know, he felt that it, this would not help them spiritually because they were already offended at him. So, okay, fine. You know, I'm, I'm just, I, I am not going to do any great wonders among you. Uh, you know, so... Uh, it, it, in other words, it's kind of like maybe even uh, if the, the pastor preaches law and gospel for the person who is not uh, repentant, they should not hear gospel. They should only hear the law. And, and that's and, and uh, CFW Walther in his proper distinction between law and gospel says that if you're a pastor and, and, and you're confronted with people that are really hardened in their hearts, they only need to hear the law. And then until the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, prepares them to hear the gospel, you do not give them one scintilla of the gospel. Pastor, we have a minute left in our time. How would you summarize these uh, these verses and encourage our listeners this morning? Well, I, I would say that, um, you know, I, I take very seriously what Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended in me. That, you know, in other words, we, we rejoice that God loved us so 
much in sending his precious son who humbly came into the world to bear our sins and who took all of our sins to the cross. And, and we can rejoice in the fact that the, it is the Holy Spirit by his divine power through the word, through the sacraments, that makes us disciples of this Jesus. Pastor David Boisclair of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 13. Pastor Boisclair, thank you for bringing us gifts and stay safe down in St. Louis. And, and also to you and to all the listeners. <laughs> I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.